Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela, and today I have another Thrifters Villa reunion tour episode with my friend Sarah, or Sarah Styles LLC, however you know her. Uh, Sarah was on season one, like one of the first episodes. Yeah, probably. I want to say like within the first like three months or something you were on. So I'll make sure to link that for everyone. Um, But we're going to dive into what Sarah's been up to. What does reselling look like for her now? What's the landscape of reselling in general? And we're just going to, we're going to give you some hard truths in today's episode. So sit back and we will see you at the table. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. I know we haven't like actually chatted, chatted in a year two years I know but okay you so like let's channel. yeah I mean that was not my leeway into our conversation no, but, but, it's, but it's true right <laughs> I just yeah. think life has been so different for so many of us over the last year and it just goes to show like all right we may send dms here and there but like Sarah and I used to talk all the time yeah. all the time yeah. <laughs> and life has just changed for both of us doesn't mean we're still not friends it's just things change life changes Yes. And I was so glad that you asked me to be on here because we yeah. haven't chatted. I think last year around this, right around the same time when eBay open was, I hit, um, 10 K on YouTube and I had you come on cause you convinced me to do my very first live on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I think that was the last time in person that we actually chatted in person. Yeah. A lot has changed. Um, reselling personal life, everything, right? Yeah. Which <laughs> personal life kind of feeds over to my reselling. Cause I kind of do reselling around my kids um so that kind of has pushed some of it but then the economy too is just not not great right now <laughs> the landscape <laughs> has changed of reselling altogether for sure absolutely so we probably have some new listeners who don't know who you are and have not gone back to season one but you should so I'm going to link it in the show notes you do go back to season one um so why don't you introduce yourself to everyone who's listening Oh, yes. Uh, I'm Sarah from Sarah Styles LLC. I have been selling, reselling for five years. I did upcycle, uh, not to date myself, but like 20 years before that, before e-commerce was even really a thing. Um, so I was selling in, you know, boutiques, doing fashion shows around Denver Metro. Um, I'm from Denver, still live here. And then on to Etsy. And then I had um, my first baby, my second child. So I have an older stepson. Um, and it was just too hard to sew with little kids around. So I went into reselling five years ago. Um, and then I also have, I've had lots of careers. I have a background in mathematics. I went to school to be a te- math teacher, but I actually ended up in um, corporate America doing statistical analysis and um, forecasting and stuff like that. So my teaching and social media content is typically around um you know, saving time with processes and looking at your numbers and how to um, look at data and your analytics to really thrive your business, um, which, man, <laughs> I've been taught a lot about. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, we we definitely talk a lot about it. Um, so my first introduction to Sarah, for those who don't know, was because of her videos and content she put on social media. And um it just so happens that her husband has family out here in New England. So it's like instant friendship because that's just how it works, right? Like, right. oh, look, Danielle and Sarah are now friends because they have a New England connection. Shocking. <laughs> and the uh, accent, I love hearing the accent because his will come out like when he's drinking, but then you get on the phone with his mom and like his aunts and stuff and it all. I'm like, yeah, that's the accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So 
we we both have about the same amount of experience when it comes to reselling. Now I didn't upcycle, but I've been selling things on and off for years since I was, you know, 15, 16 years old. So I think it's fair to say that when you first came on the podcast, reselling was thriving for both of us, but we were like in the beginning phases of thriving. It was like that honeymoon phase where this is really exciting. I'm trying to, I'm figuring out all the ways to do things. I'm watching what my profits look like. I'm really starting to dive into it, but I'm not quite established yet as a business. And I feel like we kind of were on the same trajectory where it was, okay, year two is really good. Year three was fantastic. Year four, okay, still doing really well. And oh my God, year five, year six, what is going on? I don't understand anything. And um, I just think there are so many components to this that resellers who are coming in fresh are maybe a little like confused by it or those who've been doing it even longer than us are just completely lost because they're going by things that they did 10 years ago and thinking that it's still going to work today. And I think that's just not the case. Yeah. And that, I mean, that it's interesting because I forget that I have been upcycling for that long. And I'm thinking as you were talking about all of the different, like I was doing fashion shows in, you know, brick and mortars at first. And now it's, you know, this big e-commerce I'm on eBay and I have 2,600 items. And so it is ever changing. Um, and so I think the longer that you do it, as long as you're changing with the times, I think we're just still trying to figure out what those times are right now. I, I was putting out YouTube videos really, really frequently. Um, and then stuff happened personally. So I wasn't, but now I'm back at it, but I haven't, I don't have anything to say. I'm so happy you said that because I feel the same way. I'm like, I literally don't know what to tell anyone anymore. Yeah. I'm like, I'm trying all of the things and I've done a video telling you what I'm trying and it's not working. And I, especially for my channel, I'm not a, like, here's my latest haul. It's like, here's how you do this, or here's how you make sales. And I'm like, I don't know friends right now. Like, I, I don't know. Um, I put out a couple of videos basically saying, I don't know what's going on. I, I'm trying all these things and nothing that I've tried in the past is working. Um, what's interesting is eBay open is right now, which will probably be a couple of weeks ago by the time people hear this. Um, and I just got off listening to their economic forecast from the McKinsey or McKinney group. I can't remember which one, but, um, and it was interesting to say, because they're seeing it's, I mean, a lot of it's the economy, right. And there's not much as sellers that we can do to that about that. So we're just kind of hang on and wait for it to get better. Um, and not, I'm fortunate that it is not our full-time income. Um, so I can, but I've even been supplementing what I'm making by working at my kid's school because it's just not coming in the way that it was. Yeah. I think it's, so I think the economy conversation is interesting because I think there's multiple factors to it. The first one is we had money pumped into the economy during COVID when we were all petrified, right. As a reseller, like, what are we going to do? How are we going to sustain all of this? Um, and we were just fine and we were doing great because people had this extra income that they did whatever they had, you know, whatever they did with it. Maybe they were waiting to buy that one thing or they needed to, you know, stock up their closet with new items, but just weren't because they didn't have the money. Now all of a sudden they had this money and they started buying things and there was this overinflation of what was happening. Right. And now you fast forward to today where inflation is just so high. Everything is so expensive. We've gotten rid of all the stimulus, right? Like all those tax credits are gone. Um, All loans are coming back next month, which she, she touched on it. Um, And I'm just, 
I'm very fearful of it, to be honest, um, because I'm a millennial who has student loan debts in between me and my husband. Um, it's like $1,200 a month. It's, and we didn't even go to like fancy schools. Um, we kind of pushed it into our mortgage and whatever. So we don't have it coming, but I know the place that a lot of people who stimulate the economy, right? We're the people who, right. I mean, our generation, you have the older boomers who are living off of retirement. They're not buying a whole bunch. It's us that are buying houses and putting their kids in sports and buying clothes. And when our student loans come in, I'm, I don't want to be, you know, gloomy, which is why I'm not making a lot of videos right now because I'm like, I just feel like I'm so negative, but I, everything that's going on. And then we have the student loans coming. You have to start paying them back next month in a week. So probably already by time. Yeah. I already got the first email. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the first due date is November 1st or something. The statement I think comes out next week, but you have until November 1st. Or something. Okay. I think that's what it is because I thought it was going to be next month that they needed it. My husband was like, no, 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 it's, it's November, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's coming back. But my yeah, student right loan payment for when it's supposed to be good. <laughs> right. My student loan payment went down a little bit. Oh, like so they, they did do some stuff because you work in like the public sector, right? Um, so I do know some people who's went down or did get forgiven because I know that they did some stuff. To I help. don't qualify for forgiveness yet. I have to do five more years in, in state services in order for it to be forgiven. They don't forgive the whole amount. I think they forgive a portion of it, but whatever, they forgive the portion that that's helpful in yeah. itself, right? Yeah. Um, but the, mine did go down, I think it was like by $30, 30 or $40, which is, which brought it down to the 400s because I was in the 500s. So I'm very yeah, happy that it went down that amount. But um, I don't know how I'm going to budget it back in. Let, let's just talk. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like we've now- It's a big amount. Just. We've been living off of not only extra money given to us, you know, through tax credits and they were giving those stimulus checks and stuff, but now they're adding inflation is up. And then we have student loans that are coming back for a majority of the U.S. or at least these uh, spending U.S. You know, like the millennials, right, the, the, most Gen of us Z. working folk. <laughs> right, right. The ones who are not currently in school taking out more student loans, or the ones that are retired. The majority of people put spending money in the economy right, right now. Yeah. Right. So it's like, and all of this plays into reselling. Like we're not just talking about this. Talk about it. Like this all plays into it because I know for myself. When I look back at last year, like I'm not even going that far. I'm going to last year. I spent way more on inventory um, and uh, really trying to build it up and make all this extra money, right? Like I owed a ton of money for taxes, but I made a lot of money doing reselling. And I was thrilled because we had just got the house a year ago and it was like all these different things. It worked beautifully for us. This year, I really pulled back on sourcing because I noticed, and I'm sure you you have talked about it as well, and others are listening have noticed this, that the price of stuff in the thrift store, even at the bins, if you're going to the bins, the price went up. It's not what it used to be, has gone up. So now I can't source the way I was last year or even the year before. I've had to really like cut in half my sourcing, but my expenses are still higher this year than last year because everything else is expensive as well. So it's like, you can't, I feel like I can't win this year. And I, I found my footing a little bit where like, okay, I think I've found what's working right now. I also just think because it's the time of year and people are buying sweaters and coats and boots. And so like- The time of year generally. So it is, it is. but man, did January, well, I'd say February, February, March, 
to July really hurt. I'd say middle of July really hurt. And then I feel like July, end of July into now it's on the upswing, but still nowhere near where it was even last year. And I just see here and I'm like, look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously. And six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than, Hey, <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I did all these great things, and I was so successful. And now I just, not that I feel like a failure, because that's not the right word, but like I don't feel like I'm doing the best that I can, but there are so many things out of my control. Yeah, yeah, which is what you can. And I was, as you're saying that too, which is why I like talking to other um, resellers. So I talked to my husband. He's like, oh, it's your business. Do what you want. Um, but as you were nice. saying that, <laughs> which is nice because he's supportive, but it's not like the same as like ideas are flowing when you talk to people. Um, but now I forget what point I was going to say with that. Um, my sales sourcing are costing a lot of money. Let's, why don't we start there? Yeah. Sourcing is, oh yeah. So the things are definitely going back the pandemic things were shut down. I started doing pallets, but their cost of goods was like 14, $15, um, which was fine because things were selling and it was coming to me and things were shut down. But I noticed at the beginning, I did that for about a year and a half. So now we're like at what, 21, 2021 mid-year. Yeah. Um, I, I started to notice things and I was like, this isn't going to, they're not going to give us money forever. This isn't going, right? Like you're going to, starting to notice things. So I, I actually started, stopped doing pallets and started lowering my cost of goods at that time, um, which thank God that I did because it went from $14 uh cost of goods to I'm at about $5 now. Uh, but the struggle is, is as all of this is happening and everything that you touched on, the retail stores are hurting as well too. And so they're they're dropping all their prices. I mean, I've seen stuff on social media where they're something at Goodwill is more expensive than the exact same thing at like a TG Maxx. It, it, right. So we can't like, it's, we're supposed to be the like, Oh, come to eBay, come to Poshmark and get it cheaper, but we can't compete with new with tags at, you know, TJ Maxx or even like Macy's, all of these places are get, trying to get rid of their stuff at prices. Um, and they're getting on some of the sites as well. So now we're yes, competing. With, we're competing with these bigger companies that you just can't, I'm not, you can't compete with that. No. <laughs> we're going to have to find a creative way to Correct. do it. That's what I was going to say. So during all of this, this is part of the fun part about being an entrepreneur is you're always problem solving. Um, I, there's always something to solve. There's something to get better at. There's something to, but it's also the frustrating part of it <laughs> and why, like I've been working at my kid's school and I'm like, it's kind of nice just to go in from seven to three and be done as ever then some of the kids are rough. And then I just think about them and want to hold them all day. Yeah, <laughs> They're not necessarily done if you're a teacher. But like corporate America, right? Like you go and you do your job and you come home and entrepreneurship is, it has its benefits, um, but it is always trying to figure some problem out, right? Yeah, and I think that's probably been the boat that most sellers have been in the last year, maybe even two years, is trying to figure out like, mm, what do I do now? Because I, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what's working. I don't know what's not working. I did this one week and it worked. I tried the next week and it completely failed and it didn't work at all. Um and I didn't have to th really think about it too much <laughs> in the beginning of my reselling career. I didn't really sit back and be like, hmm, was this a good purchase? And my, like, I, it just worked. Everything worked. And I mean, I guess there's 
maybe multiple reasons for that. There's oversaturation. I think retailers is actually one of the biggest things because um, I'm buying things at retail stores for way less than the thrift stores. So, I mean, I'm not afraid to admit that retail shopping has been cheaper than me finding things at the thrift store. Right. So people aren't coming to eBay. And that's what the economist was saying, like, oh, you know, this people not spending as much inflation, all of these different things that we're talking about should drive to eBay. And I'm like, I think it probably depends on what it is. But like in our realm, women's fashion, it's not the case because they're getting to other places for cheaper. It's not eBay isn't the cheaper place to get it right now. Um, And if we continue to go cheaper, 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 our margins go down and we can't take the hit like these big companies can. Right. No, not at all. I mean, our business write-offs and expenses are very different, right? When you're talking about a big corporate company and what their write-offs look like in comparison. I mean, they've got different employee fees and stuff. And when you're just a solopreneur here, it doesn't run. Well, and their volume, volume, they can do such a big volume. So if they're making a dollar on an item, but you're doing 5 million items, right? Right. I can't crank out 5 million items. (laughs) No. Or do I want to? <laughs> Just the thought of that sounds awful. <laughs> yeah. So as I'm looking at my numbers, because we've all started on Posh, right? And yeah. I don't, are you still doing eBay? I broke no. up with eBay this summer um, because, well, I'd say end of summer because I went three months with no sales with me doing the same things. And I was just like, this is just a waste of my time right now. And I just couldn't focus on one thing. And when I feel like I'm ready to add it back in, I will. But as of right now, it's been 30 day, 30, 37, 38 days of not having it. And I'm doing okay on just Poshmark right now. Okay, because I'm like opposite. So my Poshmark, like I'm looking at my numbers now and my Poshmark, I've been down every single month. Um, we're leading up until August now. I haven't completely finished my August numbers, but I mean, it's like tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> like my Poshmark is, it, like I think last month I looked and- the year before I did like maybe $1,700 or something on Poshmark and it was like 450. Like what? I don't have any words. Sorry, friends. Yeah, it's horrendous. <laughs> and my eBay, and this is the thing and why I've tried everything, but eBay, you can, and I know Poshmark is trying them and you've tried it, uh, the promoted listings. The only thing, okay. See, I didn't, I think I missed the email when they probably asked me to do it. There's still a wait list. You can still get on it. But is it worth? Because eBay, okay. we're talking gross numbers here. My eBay gross numbers are up because I'm paying for it. I'm paying for promotions to be at the top of the four zillion listings on eBay. Are you doing dynamic and the promoted like pay-per-click? Are you doing all no, of No, no, not pay-per-click. Okay. Just Yeah, just the dynamic. The pay-per-click in our realm is not. I mean, I don't have anything that people are searching for on a click basis that would return the investment for me. Um but I do the dynamic. I haven't done it on Poshmark, but that's my thought is that now that people are doing it on Poshmark and there's live selling and they got bought out. Like we kind of forget that there's things happening on happening in the back end that they're not telling, not like being secretive necessarily, but like they're a new company. Now they're in the back trying to figure things out, messing with stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but my, yeah, my posh is dead, which is part of the reason that my sales altogether are just dead is posh is really a driver in that for me. So I'll touch on promoted for me. I think, I think promoted works when you are not selling items that are super saturated. Does that make sense? Like, I think the run of the mill items that you can find with promoted or without 
and there's just a lot of them, um, even if they're promoted, may not necessarily increase your overall sales. But the way that like, the way that I try to explain promoted is you're paying into Poshmark's promoted for advertisement. So you have to look at it as if you have a Shopify. So yeah. I'm paying X amount of dollars every week to push out these listings in hopes that someone's going to click on one of the items and then go through my closet and maybe buy something else. They may not buy that specific item. Are you paying even if your stuff doesn't sell on Poshmark? Right. So oh. it, it's pay per click. So you set the budget. So you have a budget and okay. it carries out. And some weeks you hit it and some weeks you don't. Like I have not hit my budget every single week. I think out of all the weeks since I've been doing it. So I started the in July, I think it was. Um, I only hit my budget once since then. It's like close. It's within a $5 range maybe. Um, but. But you've seen the return on it. The return is so. But here's yeah. what people get hung up on is Poshmark doesn't report data correctly, right? So right. like if you did this on Google, Google would show you everything and you would have no questions. You wouldn't need to know necessarily that all these items sold by promoted. You need to see the overall picture. You need to see what did people click on, what promoted items they click on, and then what happened after that. We don't know that, right? So if something sells and it doesn't come up as promoted, that doesn't mean that they didn't click on a promoted listing and then come to your closet, but we don't know that. And that's the number one flaw with the program. Yeah. It doesn't work yeah. when you don't yeah. know what's happening. What's interesting, as you say that eBay actually started um, switching how, so on eBay, when you do just promoted um, like their standard, you only pay if it sells via promoted, but this past year, they actually changed it to if it, and they don't give us this data, obviously, but if it was clicked on within 30 days and then they buy it within the 30 days, not like straight from that click, but they keep it, which from eBay's perspective, I get, it makes sense because it re originally they found it and they came back for it. Um, but I think they're getting more into the nitty gritty of their, I mean, if all of our sales are down, theirs are as well, right? I, I've heard now make up their money. rumor mill, their sales, and I believe their customer base has gone down on eBay. Their customer base has continued to go down. Um, they're at like a steady 4% decline. Um, but there, I did a video a couple of weeks ago, all my doom and gloom videos. Um, we like doom and gloom though, because it's reality, okay? Not everyone is happy. <laughs> No, I know, but I am not really a doom and gloom type of person. So I kind of am not putting out a lot, but I did a video a couple of weeks ago um, as I was looking at stuff and their customer base is down 4% year over year, but it's a steady decline. So like, let's look compared to 10 years and that's a bigger decline, right? Um, the women's, I just looked in Tara Peak out like women's top. So obviously it's a large category. There was... I'm going to misquote, but it's going to give you the same idea. There was like 1.9 million women's tops last year. This year, there's 4.9 million. It's a... Right. So we have less customer, right? This is another reason too, right? We have less customers and a increase in listings, like four, almost 5 million women tops. Now, obviously you would like be, look at the brand and your, but that's a huge increase overall. Right. So then, so my brain goes to why, besides there being more sellers, could it be everyone buying the pallets? Everyone having an excess of things? Like think of all the people that, majority of people doing live sales are not necessarily thrifting and doing the live sale, right? They're buying things in large quantities and they're selling it on a live sale. At some point, they're going to have to put on a platform as well because you just get a surplus of the same thing over and over again. And, and Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Some things aren't worth putting on a live sale. Do you know what I mean? So like, and that big of an goes there too. That big of an increase, it couldn't take all of the sellers 15, 24 hours a day to get that big of an increase, right? It has to be this volume game where, yeah, either more people are doing pallets, larger companies are coming on. And instead of selling off their pallets, they're just putting them directly onto the sites. Um, I know eBay over COVID did a big push for like brick and mortars to get online. Yep. Um, so like all of these big volume, which it's good because then everyone, ha- you know, but this is making it harder for the small sellers who don't have that big volume um, to find ourselves, which is why I'm promoting the crap out of my items now, just to stay at the same gross but my net is definitely decreasing because of all the things that we've talked about, right? Like the expenses are going up. Um, I'm paying more fees, right? My fees are up by like 15%. And so at the end of the day, I'm making less money, right? Because that's what matters. At the end of the day, what you're putting in your bank account. Um, but less taxes too, right? So <laughs> know we were just talking about this before we started recording because I just did my my numbers for September. And um, I'm down from last year, almost uh, about $7,000 from last year. And, uh, it's a lot, (laughs) it's a lot, but I mean, I think it just, it just proves what a tough year it's been for everyone. But then I've also made that conscious decision to not push myself so much, really watch how much I'm sourcing. I haven't sourced since the end of July and I have no intentions in sourcing until the end of the year. Like I'm just not, I'm just holding on to as much money as I can and calling it a day. Cause I don't need, to, I'm still making sales without sourcing. I'm still making sales with maybe only listing one or two things. And I think this is a bigger conversation that we need to have. Mm-hmm. And I think in the reselling community, depending on the type of resellers, but the thrifting uh, death pile community, right. Which we've talked about that in the past as well. Um, it's a mindset change to where like, you have to stop. I'm doing very similar things. I'm not completely stopping listing, um, but I am decreasing the number of listings that I am putting new because I'm trying to save as much cash flow as I can to hold me over. There was times this summer that like, I didn't get paid. Like <laughs> I was doing all the work and I have a virtual assistant. So like they get paid first and then taxes and everything, um, to where I'm like, I'm just going to cut my listings in half and then work on making what I do have sell. So finding strategies to go back and make the item better or end it inside, whatever these, none of them have worked yet. So <laughs> follow me for more to see how I fail. Um, but at the end of the day, it's not costing me money, right? It's costing time, which is, you know, an asset that not everyone has the luxury of. Um, but I think that's where to hang on and make it through whatever's happening right now is we have to get smart and figure out how to make the net okay, right? Like if your gross is astronomical, but you're spending all this kind of money, you're not making anything at the end of the day. We have to get some wiggle room in those costs of goods and those expenses in the, well, you can't do anything about taxes. <laughs> taxes, are what taxes are my friend. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think that it's very easy to get caught up in the sourcing game and like the thrill of the hunt and all that. And we all fall victim to it. Like there's no way around it, especially when you have a great sourcing day. It's like instant. 
you're hooked and I got to go back and I got to go back and I have to go back. But let me tell you, not sourcing since the end of July. So now we're, it'll, it'll be October in a few days. Um, it is the most liberating feeling and it is so nice to just have that cash sitting there and it like, it just grows. Like yeah. It's yeah. mind blowing how that happens. It's kind of almost for me, I've created this almost, I don't want to say completely passive because I don't think anything is completely passive, but it's kind of almost passive to me right now because I actually have someone sourced for me. So I'm not sourcing at all. Um, and then I have a virtual assistant who lists for me, which is part of like my net percentage is probably much less than if you were doing this all yourself. Right. But it's also allowing me to now spend, I spend maybe three hours a week taking photos, um, and then shipping whatever, you know, 10 minutes a day or whatever to ship. And now I'm able to double my income by getting a second job on top of it as things are figured themselves out. Um, I don't want to say passive completely, but figuring out the processes, which is what I spend a lot of my time on and training people to do things um, for me has made it to where the times that we're at right now, I can kind of just coast through um, and get squeezed as much as I can out of it. And then I have, you know, three hours a week. I can, I've been subbing at my kids' school, working at their school three or four days a week and making extra income. Which is so great that like, and I think this is what why reselling is so wonderful is it teaches you that, um, I don't want to say hustle, but I guess it's the only word that comes to mind of like when you need to make that money or you need to find a different way to acquire that income, we can quickly switch. We can quickly pivot and like find different ways to make income, whether that's creating content, whether that's going back into the workforce, whatever it is. Um, I feel like being an entrepreneur, being a small business owner, you just, you think quick and you do what you have to do. Yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely a mindset for most entrepreneurs. Um, cause I talked to my husband about stuff like this and he's a, he came from a military family, which is part of it. Um, but it's like, you get one job your entire life and you stay with it until retirement forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And I'm like, I've had like six careers and it's not that I'm like, wishy-washy, like, I don't know what to do, but it's like, I used to be a hairdresser and I injured my finger and I couldn't work for three weeks. Well, when you don't work for three weeks, you don't get paid. And I was like, this probably isn't something I should be doing long-term. Like, yeah. And so then I went to school and then that didn't work. And, you know, like I just, things didn't work and I would just flip gears and get into something new, um, which I think most entrepreneurs, like you said, we're always solving problems, whether it's within our business still and changing that mold or finding a time to call it quits and do something else. Yeah. Or, you know, when sales are really rough, like this happened to me in the, I'd say March or April, I literally went through all my bins of inventory and I was like, okay, Plato's closet this other consignment store, like find any other way to make income, even if it means that you're in the negative because you spent more than what you're getting, but you need to get cash. But you already spent it. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Right. And, it's and now you're not... getting the cash flow. Right. Um, I haven't done that yet because that seems really awful. It was daunting, but man, it was great to get the cash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the best part. I would do that. So for a while I was buying closets out, like most of last year I was buying people's entire closets. Um, and never, it's the same with pallets, right? It's risky, probably 30, maybe a good buyout was 50% of the inventory was stuff that I would have purchased myself and bought. So then I would go through it and then take everything to play those. Um, and it was nice having that cash, but all of my stuff is already listed, already skewed, already in a spreadsheet. And I'm like taking huh? it all out and figuring that out. I'm not there yet. Maybe I should be. <laughs> I take one bin at a time. Yeah. 
I would spend one like Saturday or Sunday, whatever day I picked. And I would just sit upstairs in my office on the floor with my laptop. And I would pull each piece, go into my inventory and like, you know, try to figure out, is this worth me sending in? Is this worth me just donating and calling it a day? Like it's not even worth trying to get anything out of it. And I did it one bit at a time. And I ended up clearing out four bins, um, which was great. Uh, yeah. But I could probably still clear out more. I just stopped because it is a lot. It is it is overwhelming. But I think as we approach closer to the end of the year, I'll probably do one more sweep of a few more bins. And um, oh, if it didn't sell, because this is kind of my struggle too. Like if it didn't sell, would you put it back into inventory or right. would you just donate it? Yeah. So then that's like the bookkeeping, like just trying to figure out what sold and what didn't and what like that just seems like something I don't want to do. No one does. I know. I know. I'm no not there. No one wants to do it. But it is helpful because by doing that inventory sweep, really, of those you know few bins, it really put into perspective, like, this stuff just doesn't sell anymore, Daniela. You need to completely, when you see this in a thrift store, forget it. It doesn't exist. Move on and focus on the things that are selling for you and go from there. And, I, and But that's a hard lesson in a hard process but you, I mean more so than most people you've always been really good at that I feel like I, I mean yeah. you have to do it even more now so mm-hmm. um but even when things were good we uh, picking and not just buying stuff to buy it especially if you're not a bin shopper I think it's really easy at the bins to pick everything up um but when you're like shopping thrift store and stuff yeah yeah it's definitely like so I went to the bins maybe three months ago for the first time since before COVID. The last time I went was January 2020, right before the whole COVID thing happened. Last time I went to the bins. So I finally went with my friend. And um, I mean, it was a great time. It, the, everything is so different. The pricing yeah. is different. Like everything is different. The way they do the bins and all that. Um, but because I've become so particular on everything, I just ended up buying stuff for the house. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh- pieces for me. And like, I found three or four things that you know, I could sell, but it was a totally different experience than when I went when like I first started. Right. And it's like, oh my God, this is the most amazing thing on the planet. Um, as you refine your business, as you refine what it is you want to sell, things like that become not a little overwhelming, but also like, "Mm, I don't want to do this. It's just not worth my time. It's kind of funny you say that. Cause as I was like, okay, what's happening with my business? What do I want to do here? Um, and I was like, I can lower my cost of goods, right? That's going to get me more money back per item that sells. That's one way to like make things better. Or I could work at my kid's school. And I chose hanging out with snotty six-year-olds <laughs> over going to the bins. Although my chance of getting sick at either place is probably about the same. <laughs> Um, because I thought the same thing. I was like, I I haven't been to the bins in, um, I think the last time I went, we had like a eBay meetup, like the group I like do a seller meetup in Denver and we're like, let's go to the bins. And so I went, I don't think I bought, I think I had like three things for the house. And then there was four people in line. And I was like, I don't, that, I don't want to stay in line. <laughs> so I just yeah. left. <laughs> I've done that at the thrift store too. If I only have one or two things um, and there's a long line or I'm like, you know what? I don't care. And I just put it back. That has happened more times this year than I can count on two hands. Like it is just, it has happened. I want to say at least three or four times that I went sourcing that I was like, I'm just going to walk out. And a lot of times now my husband comes with me when I go sourcing because I'm just not motivated to go sourcing. So he's like, come on, I'll drive you and we'll go. Mm -hmm. Um, So the lack of motivation is because things 
are hard, right? So that just, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, which right? is hard to stick in it, right? Like I had a really good weekend last week. And so I was like, okay, I can do this. I'm gonna go sourcing. I'm gonna, and then the past two days it haven't been great. And I'm like, no, no, I'm good. <laughs> We're not sourcing. We are not doing that. So, um, and so anyway, we've gone. That last time I went, the end of July, and he took me, and I walked out of three stores with nothing. Now, so these stores are all kind of near each other, but I still wasted like a good four or yeah. five hours, right, in going driving and then looking. And I walked out of three stores with nothing, and he was like, "Seriously?" I was like, "Yeah, nothing, Just, nothing." And so he goes, "So then, how do you make it work if you can't find anything?" I was like, "And here is my problem, sir." Mm-hmm. I know. Cause I'm like, well, I can go back to the bins and I have someone sourcing for me. So it's not, it's better than a palette because I tell her like, this is what I like. This is, but it's not the sourcing that I, right. Like I would be a little bit pickier and, but it's still, I'd say like 80 ish percent of the stuff or things I probably would pick up myself. Um, but I'm like, Hey, I can cut that out and just start sourcing myself. And I went to the thrift store myself and I was like, there's no, like, there's nothing to buy here. There's the couple of things I would actually buy. Their prices are outrageous. Um, and it's so empty. And I don't know if more people are shopping at the thrift store or more resellers or a little bit of both. Um, but it's just, even like I went a couple of weeks ago for myself, like personally, and I didn't, couldn't find anything. That's interesting. Cause I've noticed at our thrift stores, the racks are packed, but they're packed with Amazon brands they're packed with all those fat yes all the fast fashion the good pieces are few and far in between and now it could be because there are more sellers that are able to go out during the day when I can't because I'm working and um they snag those few pieces that are coming out right or it could just be not that many people are donating as much as that good stuff anymore because they know that they can sell it themselves online or consign whatever they want or yeah I think a lot of people are going to like play-dohs and stuff right um or it's just that their stores are selling it themselves online, which is the other option. So I think, and this is like the dilemma that I think most of us resellers fall in, right? Like, so where do I go from here? And this is one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why I wanted to have you on besides having a conversation with you because it's been so long um, is because we, we always think methodically about this kind of stuff and Mm -hmm. like, where, where do we go? How do we move into 2024? And for me, it's been, okay, so if the thrift stores are a waste of my time, 85% of the time, okay, we'll go 85. Where, what can I do to get this inventory that I need that works for me, that that works for my customer base? And I've gone the route of online sourcing, which I was doing before as well, but now you're factoring in a different cost of goods. You have to like always keep that in mind when you online source. Um, kind of moving even out a little bit of mid-tier, like still selling mid-tier, but focusing more on higher end, right? So that's one aspect of it. Um, looking on ThreadUp when they have their crazy sales because sometimes it's worth it to source on there. Even if your cost of goods is a little bit higher, ThreadUp has actually been a really good sourcing spot for me. Um, and consignment. Like that's where, that's where my brain is going. I was thinking about consignment for you. Consignment works if you have like high end stuff. So if you know people- that like nice things (laughs) like I've had friends that are like oh can I consign with you and they show me and I'm like I'm not consigning your shirt like right right. no offense it's cute I would wear it but like by time we pay fees and you split that um yeah and I'm I can't I don't know I haven't fully thought about 2024 just yet but I'm kind of in this just like survival mode don't make any racist 
decisions kind of like just float through and see what can happen because something's going to change. Um, it's either going to be so many sellers get off because they're in the same position as us and they can't keep doing it. The economy is going to get better, which could be a while because we have like a political season next year, which is always I, I not think we can We can forget the economy getting better next year. Eventually, yeah, no, not next year, but like, gonna I mean, next year. Things- I'm going to say within the next three to five years, we'll see, um, we'll see it normalize, but it's not going to happen in the next year. No, 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 it'll probably get worse. So they were saying at this thing that I was listening to earlier that it's not officially a recession, but there are so many indicators that I are- I can't stand people that say that. <laughs> um, There's so we many- in a recession, it's just not the normal recession that we're used to. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I, I mean, there's things that are causing people's spending to be down, right? Um, right. The biggest, I wrote them down. The biggest indicators, which we are all dealing with right now, right, is inflation, social political, right? And next year that's going to get even worse because we have an election year and um, employment. And they were saying that, I don't remember the percentages, but a lot of people got out of employment during the pandemic and then everything's costing more where they thought like maybe they could retire or they could work part-time and a lot of them are having to get back into employment right now too. So, oh, this is your realm speak. (laughs) um, Which I can't go too deep into, but I I think it's safe to say that employment numbers and unemployment numbers are skewed because so many people left the workforce and are trying things on their own, kind of like reselling, right? Maybe they're content creating, whatever it is. So the unemployment rate is skewed because of that, because they're not going back and they're not looking, they're not trying to go back into the workforce. They're not collecting because they've exhausted all their benefits over all these years, right? So- I don't think we have a true picture of how many people are actually un- unemployed in terms of the law, right? Yes, right. So I think it skews everything else. I think the number that we should be looking at, which is what you touched on, is how many people are trying to get back into the workforce. That's the number that we should be really focusing on instead of unemployment. Because I, I don't yeah. think and we're Go ahead. They, t- they touched on that, that they were looking at how many people are getting. And it was a lot. I don't remember the percentage, but I remember being like, oh, that's a lot. Um, and they all want to get into remote jobs. I think that's the other key thing. Well, what's interesting that you touched on, right? Like the workforce, the newer workforce is Gen Z and they're coming in and we're, you know, looking at what their habits on everything. Yep. Um, and they want remote and they're much more willing to... Um, like do entrepreneur stuff and like be social media influencers and these side hustles and live out of a van to not have to buy a house. And right. Like I got down this, um, I get all these things on Instagram now. Cause I went down this rabbit hole of like these people who live out of a van and it costs them, you know, maybe 30 grand to get it up and running, but then they're done. They don't have a mortgage. They don't have like, that's a down, that's not even a down payment for most places. This is not a down payment on a house. No. <laughs> and they're fine with that. And they actually like it because it's like better for the environment and they can travel and they can work remotely. And that's where we have to change our mindset um, as a whole collective. Right. Oh, but yeah. then also as resellers, how can we stay on trend with what's happening? And keep in mind that there's this whole group of people in our in the population who have endless amounts of money that can spend no matter what. And you need to figure out if you want to focus on that group of people or if you want to focus on the group of people that um, are trying to make ends meet but still want to buy something nice for themselves. And I think those are kind of the two camps that you need to figure out what you want to be in because that middle group 
is where why we're all struggling is because that middle group isn't really falling anywhere else. It's you're either here or you're there, period. There's no in between. Right. Um, or there's the third option of you have no money and can't pay your bills. And then we're not That's trying it. to market to them at all. So that too. That's the other <laughs> thing. Yeah, it's it's a really it's a really interesting season of reselling. Um, did you picture yourself being in this space, even if you go back to last year, like what, what, what did you envision for 2023? Um, yeah, I've been telling my husband for about two years that I'm going to be done reselling soon, not because I want to, but because I just don't think that it's going to provide the way that it used to. Um, some of it, honestly, like, so I was selling dashboards, right. Um, and that was a decent amount when I was first doing it, that was a good amount of money, right. It wasn't reselling, but it was like related to my business. Um, because there was nothing like it. And I knew that would come to an end because, you know, you have Vendu has analytics now and eBay's analytics and pot, right. Like it would come to an end eventually. So I knew that was like on the downward slope. You could see that trend going down, which was not the numbers we've been talking about, but part of my business. Um, that goes along with YouTube because a lot of what I was doing on social media was around that. So then finding different ways. And fortunately, eBay has a lot of analytics and things that I can talk to on eBay, Poshmark. <laughs> a dumpster fire <laughs> every once in a while I can release a video on how like Poshmark is trash um no you do well on Poshmark but not every uh, yeah, but I I am the minority in this my friend when I talk about it I am the minority everyone else is not doing well um and then you also have political stuff that's going on with these bigger companies are coming trying to do reselling themselves and push small sellers out of the space. I mean, they won't say that, but if you look at some of the laws that are trying that they're trying to get pushed through and who's backing them and what lobbyists, right? Like if you kind of just do a little bit of research on it, um, and I've been telling my husband this for a couple of years, like these laws, if these get pushed through, it's gonna make it almost impossible for small sellers. It's right. big sellers who have who want they're like, oh people want to buy used, people want to buy pre-loved. They're not buying our new stuff anymore. We want to get into this space. We have to push everyone out of it and they have way more money <laughs> to back it. Right. Um, I mean, I know last year there was something that eBay kind of really pushed hard and it didn't get pushed through, but I think eventually over the course of years, um, maybe not next year, but I, I don't, I, I see it getting harder and not easier for us as small sellers. Um, I hate to say it, right? I hate to say no, doom but and gloom, I, I, but I have seen point. this kind of trajectory, um, which is why I'm kind of thinking like, okay, what's my, yeah. I don't know if exit plan or plan B kind of thing is. Um, right now it's still making money, but I don't know that like for how long, like how much of a net am I willing to do all this work for? Yeah, I, well, you bring up a good point about companies coming in because you've seen, I mean, Chanel is the number one company who's been pushing to block all Chanel products from being sold online. Like they are the top dog doing it and everyone else is following them. Right, um, right. and they can, I mean, absolutely. legally, and they have the money and they have the deep pockets and they have the resources to be able to make sure that we don't, right? Yeah. And I think you'll see it hit the luxury market first before you see it hit all of these, the smaller, the smaller guys, I guess you could say. Um, which will be interesting because then will we have to resort to the old fashioned brick and mortar consignment store and just taking a smaller cut on things, but then that's going to play into your cost of goods. Like there's going to be a whole ripple effect. Yeah. I mean, but also if reselling is a new future and everyone gets in on it, then we're not really 
innovative, right? Like our jobs kind of push out because everyone's doing it, right? That's just right. it's not really real. I mean, we're talking like 20 years, 20, 30, 40, right? Like, but like the new normal, I can definitely see what you read about Gen Z and even some millennials too, right? Like, and the young, like my niece is 14. So what generation? I don't know why. I don't know what they're called. Know, younger. <laughs> um, all of her clothes are from Plato's Closet or the thrift store and all of her friends clothes and all like that's just going to be and then we don't really have a business anymore if that's where it is right right is it it's so interesting and uh it's not meant to like scare people I just I know which is why I don't do content anymore because I'm like it's just a reality as as to what's what's happening and you have to take the information and filter it the way that needs to be filtered for you and your business and if you already run a small operation then you know maybe it won't affect you as much but I think you know, I think a good example are those who dove into live selling with the pallets and like really went hard. Um, a lot of them are pulling out of that game because the margins just don't. So they, you know, they went almost a full year and the margins just don't make sense for them because if you guys aren't aware, pallets have increased tremendously um, mm -hmm. in terms of buying them and the product is just not the same unless you're getting a partnership and that's different. If you have a partnership, you will know the sellers who get partnerships because they end up selling very either the same thing or very similar things on these live shows. Um, so if you're getting a partnership, it's different. Uh, but if you're just going out trying to buy a pallet right now, you're not going to get the same product as you did two years ago. And the price is so high. Which is, is why so I got out of it. Cause it started, yeah, the inventory started getting worse. And then the uh, prices started, right. Because it's the marketplace. They were selling pallets pre COVID, but then COVID hit and everyone was like, Oh, I'm going to get pallets. And companies are like, Oh, well, if everybody wants a pallet now, then I can increase the prices and send them more stuff. And, Right. And we all made it through that. Um, I think the other thing we're talking women's fashion, right? Cause that's what we, for the most part do. I don't think reselling, as I was thinking about that reselling, I don't think is completely dead. I think if you women's fashion, probably, um, some high luxury vintage, something that there's only one left of. Yeah. You could probably find a handbag like that. What we're doing right now. No. If you are in like collectibles or, more unique things that takes the sourcing. Um, what me and you do, it's not so much, I mean, a little bit of a unique eye, but it's getting to the place where like we can be replaced, um, but not like the everything kind of store and garage sales, like those kind of sellers. I don't know that big companies, at least as of right now, um, have gotten into that, but maybe estate sales too, right? They're going to be like, screw that middleman. We're just going to go straight to online. Yeah. And I think that that's actually a good segue because I, I do think those who are in car parts, in comic books, in toys, in home goods, yes, they've maybe seen a little bit of a hit, but it's been different for them because what they're buying, like we'll say car parts, for, exa for example, is a necessity for a lot of people and, and they want to find it cheaper than going to the dealer or going to the other guy and they want to try to fix it themselves or they buy the part and bring it to their guy that knows how to do it. Right. So they're going to go to eBay to look for that kind of stuff. Um, I think home goods, if you can't find what you want in the thrift store and you don't want to pay retail price, you're looking on the marketplaces for something for your, for your home. Everyone likes to decorate. Everyone likes to change every season. Um, but we don't necessarily want to pay the price for how expensive home goods can be right. Decor blankets, all that kind of stuff. So um, I don't, I, you know, I dabbled a little bit in home goods. It was really fun. But I, when I was doing it, I realized like my heart's just not in it in that way. I'm in, in, in it for me, but I want it for my own home. But when it comes to selling it, it's just a different kind of sale. It's very slow moving. It's very different. 
And I'm just so used to the faster pace of women's clothing. The only uh-huh. way I can see myself, let's say clothes become obsolete. The only thing that I can see myself staying in for women's is shoes and handbags. Those would be the only two things I think I would stay in. And I could see that because those are more unique-ish type items, um, right. especially the type of, type of stuff that you sell. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. We'll see where it goes, but I definitely have it. I've mentioned it in some of my videos too. I'm not like exiting right now. But it is something for the past two years, honestly, it's something that's been on my, like, this is a downward trend that I'm seeing and it's not necessarily getting better. Um, I, I'm going to say in it as like, I look at my numbers and I'm like, I am still making money and it's money for me not really having to work a lot. Um, and from home in, you know, my pajamas that I wore yesterday. Um, but my creative juices are flowing on what could be the next thing. I don't know what that is right now. I don't know that it would be, I don't have the passion. Like I could get into a different category and I just, I don't, I don't want to learn something new. I don't want to, I just, I don't have the passion. So it'll probably be something outside of reselling unless something comes up, who knows, but. But I think that's like the beauty of creating this episode that you guys who are on in season one, it's like everyone's in such a different phase of their life now. And so many things have changed and we're still in reselling, but it's just taking on a different form. And we're finding those hobbies or those passions that we once had that we kind of left off to the side and we're getting back into them or we're finding new things to get into. And maybe just coming to the realization that going full-time or staying full-time just doesn't make sense where we are in life. And we realize how much work it could continue to take. And there's other ways to do it. And, uh, and the crazy thing is with AI being so strong now on content creation and stuff, like the possibilities are endless when it comes to content now. And yeah. the traditional way of always doing it may not be the way to make the money. There could be a new way that comes out. Um, yeah. Which is why for you example, just- Breezy yesterday, did you see her post yesterday, her reel? Mm-hmm. Cut, that app that people use to create like TikTok videos and stuff. They have a feature called AI model. Okay. And you not everyone has it because I don't downloaded it and I don't have it, but you click on it and it, you pick a model and then your photo of whatever item that you have that you've taken, you put it on the model and then you create a modeling photo. What? Yeah. So what's funny is at eBay open sided this week and they were just um, talking about how they're looking at doing that for their listings um, for women's that's fashion. Crazy. You put your picture. And I'm like, that's cool. I mean, that is pretty cool because a lot of things especially for us we don't have models right which is another oh. reason we can't compete with macy's because they have models right. uh, i just keep saying macy's i'm not out to get you macy's <laughs> it's just the first one that comes to mind right they had struggles too in covid um i don't know i was gonna say but they were looking at their at least so far have said ai probably it's only been going on for half a day ebay open and probably a hundred different times like they're leaning hard into it right now um, Canva is going to be having an event. Hold on, let me go on their website. Um, cat breeds. In oh. like six days or something. And the, they're calling it Magic is Happening. And I guarantee you, six days, 16 hours, 58 minutes, they're going to be having an event. So okay. my guess is this Magic Happens is more AI features because last year they came out with a b- bunch of AI features. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they follow suit and they're looking at the whole AI model thing as well because. Canva's used by so many different creators, uh, yeah. small businesses. I mean, I pay the the payment for Canva every month is worth every penny. Oh, I every still don't use it. I don't pay for it. Oh, I pay for it. 
but I use it for work. I use it for this. Actually, I will take that back. I don't pay for it, but I pay virtual assistant to do a lot of my social media. Um, and she does it for other people and she, she has, she pays for it. She's like, yeah. it's worth it. It takes me like half the time. And I'm like, that's fine. If you want to pay especially for all the AI features that they have now it's 100% yeah. worth it. They have their own chat GPT basically on there and you can put in whatever you want. When I was creating, um, a presentation, I don't remember what it was a few months ago. And I was like, so stuck on one specific thing. And I was like, I'm just going to use it and see what it comes up with. And I was like, okay, this is great. And I tweaked it. I didn't like, copy and paste. I tweaked it, but it was like, okay. Like when you can't think of that thing, it was helpful to have in there to put on the slide. Um, it's just become such a crucial tool to businesses. Canva. I, I really wouldn't be surprised if they come out with, with something oh. like that. As you're saying this now, I'm thinking though, like how much harder is reselling going to be? Because if they have all of this AI stuff, it's going to make it so easy to resell, right? Like you don't have to have yeah. any anything. You can take a picture. It gets put on a model. It creates the listing for you. Like literally anybody could do it. And then we're even mm -hmm. further out. And you don't need a, an assistant anymore. You yeah. can cut that cost completely because your assistant is now the AI bot. I know, but I like my assistant. I feel bad. <laughs> I actually really like her. She is so, like, I actually haven't cut her hours as much as I probably should um, because she is such a phenomenal, yeah. I, I say employee, but contractor. Um, and I don't want her, like if things do come back and I need her, I don't want her to like go somewhere else and not. And I just actually really like her that I'm like, I'll give you a couple of hours. <laughs> You're so nice. Um, she's good. She's so good. Yeah, yeah it will be interesting. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how AI continues to develop because right now AI for listings is is rough. Like yeah, it, you can tell that it's a bot writing it, um, and then you I, have to go in and fix it anyway. So then you might as well just do it from the beginning because we all have templates and right. Yeah. Right. So it will continue to develop. I'm more curious about the taking item, staging it. Like to me, that takes the small seller to the next level to compete with those other people, other big companies that are out there, right? So that part will be interesting. I just looked at, just looked at Breeze and I did see that come up. I didn't realize, I didn't look at it. I just saw her picture. Yeah. I didn't realize that's it's, what. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it is it really is cool. It is pretty cool. And so, then you can put it on like different sizes and different, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna say one other thing. I know we have to pop off. Um, okay. Oh, we were talking about AI. So it makes me wonder too, how much AI... I don't, it's not how much they are using AI on the back. It's the algorithm and how quickly it's changing that I think it's impacting our sales as well. Um, so oh, an yeah. example for me is like sell similar, right? Like you end an item and then you sell it similar and it's the exact same listing, yep. but in theory, it's supposed to have a new uh, ID and we're supposed to get sales from it. And it goes, but I honestly think in the past year and I'm going to test it out. Um, so if it goes good, maybe I'll make a video on it. <laughs> If it goes bad, I'll make a terrible video on it too. Um, but actually going in and ending the listing completely and creating a completely new listing with a different title and it like make a whole different thing and see if that's impacting it. Cause they say it doesn't have all of the data with it anymore once you end it. But I think the algorithm and the AI is catching on that we're doing that. Mm. Um, because Poshmark too, right? And now that there's bots, I think that they're catching on that we're doing some of that and suppressing it because of it. I'm not sure myself though. So my, my hypothesis is you need to, you can use the bot to share on Poshmark, but you also have to include the, the, their version of sharing that they came out with at least once or twice a day so that it confuses it because it will, it will see that you did it 
yeah. through the share all thing that they have. I mean, you have to click select all and scroll and go to the bottom of your closet and then hit share. For all of it? Closet. Mm -hmm. It will do share the whole closet. Um, so what I do is I have the bot share like four times. And then at the end of the day, I have it stop at like three. And then um, I share again at six and at eight, but I do it quote unquote manually on Poshmark. And I've noticed a difference that that six to eight mark is when I get the most interaction. Um, so test it out, see if it works for you guys. I'll do the same with offers. I have the automatic offers that go out with the bot after five minutes, but then once a week I go into Poshmark and I use their make an offer. I do 20% yeah. with free shipping and I let it run. So I do that as well. I try um, to manipulate. <laughs> Yeah, I do that as well. It's just so time consuming too. But they did um in Canada, right? Didn't they put the kibosh on bots in Canada? So. Right. So then part of me is like, what's gonna happen here? But like, I'm sorry, Poshmark, I'll just get off. I'm not sharing twenty six hundred items. Like, I'm just not. Mm -hmm. I, for four hundred dollars a month, <laughs> I'm good. Like, I know. I know. So <sighs> before we go, what what are your expectations? For the rest of the year and we've kind of talked about where you you know where you think you're going to go in the future so I guess we'll just talk about to the end of the year like what what's your goal and do you have a YouTube goal no no YouTube uh, goal no, no. <laughs> um we'll talk to YouTube first because that's a quick one I actually am I don't love YouTube like completely that's honest. why I stopped I, making videos yeah I've said it time and time again and I don't I started it uh for the dashboard because it was like people how to use it and what to do with it and then every once in a while I'd get like in this funk where I'm like, oh, this is fun. I have all these ideas. Um, I'm not really bad at right now. And it doesn't, it doesn't provide financial income. Like you make $2 a video. I mean, I have 16,000 subscribers and 20 bucks a video. Right. Um, and it's not, yeah. So right now for YouTube, it's kind of just when I have an idea, I do it. Um, I do lives with Anna. She has book at eBay open and I enjoy that for the same reason that I enjoy like talking with you because it's talking with another reseller. Yep. Um, so I might keep those up because we started those back again, but no, I don't have a goal. <laughs> just, I, I think having it because I've worked so hard. <laughs> yeah, well, because I've worked so hard to get it. I don't want to just like completely stop because it's been so many years and like, I mean, I have, decent numbers that I'm kind of proud of. Um, so yeah, but no goal there, just kind of doing whatever time allows. Uh, as far as reselling goes, I'm in survival mode. Honestly, I'm my plan. I'm hoping quarter four is not always the best for me, but like October, November, September, October, November, um, December, not so much. Cause I don't sell a lot of new stuff. Um, uh, so I'm hoping to get like an uptick there. I don't have high hopes though, to be honest. Uh, so I'm actually, I, we had mentioned, I had mentioned that I'm going to decrease how many listings I'm doing and kind of just do survival mode to squeeze as much out of the inventory that I have now. Um, and then if it does uptick, I'll have a lot more space and I can start pushing more inventory in. Um, and if it doesn't, I guess I'll just keep doing that in the <laughs> next year. I don't know. Um, I don't, mental space isn't there either. Right. Like I don't, I've been at the kids' school a lot more and reading and like just doing other things that I'm just kind of in autopilot right now, to be honest. Well, I think when things happen within the family too, in yeah. whatever capacity, you're you you just shift priorities, mm -hmm. everything shifts, and certain things that used to take more precedence don't anymore. Right. Yeah. Yes. And we had a big shift, and in the spring, things have gotten better. Um, yeah. 
but you know, I pulled my son out to homeschool him. So I was taking care of him and he was having a really hard time. Uh, and so that definitely shifted a lot of things. And then the perspective too, that I'm like, why, why am I doing this? Like Mm -hmm. now, if I start making $10,000 a month doing it, it'll probably change. But right now when sales sucks, like, yeah, hard to stay motivated. It's true. Um, one tip that you would give to our listeners as they are looking at their business and maybe feeling the same things that we are. Yeah, I would say always use your numbers to guide your business and your decisions. Uh, like we've talked a lot about on this episode are even if your gross is there and you're making those sales, chances of your net being impacted um, are probably pretty likely <laughs> because of all the things that we talked about on this episode. Um, so really get a handle on your numbers in whatever way you can, uh, whatever you know, softwares and stuff that you have to do it. Um, definitely use those to guide your business now more than ever. Yeah. I think the power of numbers is crucial right now. And they, especially with the way taxes are structured and everything, you know, there's been some big changes with that. Um, I think just understanding what your, what your numbers are, knowing what they mean, I think like really looking at them and understanding what each thing means, you know, besides the tax portion of it, just, are you spending more? Is your inventory sitting? All of these things play a factor into um, how successful your business is or can be. Um, so yeah. Intertwined there too, right? Like if you increase yeah. your average sale price, like you had talked about, you're probably going to get less sales. But if your money at the end of the day is more, it's a good decision. Correct. <laughs> Correct. So there's lots of things you can dive into when it comes to numbers, but hopefully you guys found this episode interesting. It's always a good time talking to you, Sarah. It's always fun. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. Always a pleasure. Of course, of course. And we'll have to have you on again next year, maybe, depending on how you are in reselling. <laughs> I mean, I'll come on and talk about, you know, teaching preschool or whatever I'm doing at the time. Maybe I'll have a whole we new should, We should be, do something creative. We'll have to do something creative. And yeah. To have you come back on. I'm here for it. A lesson of some sort. I don't know. We'll think of who something. Knows, I mean, who knows what's going to happen in a year, right? Yeah. Who knows? Maybe you'll go back to upcycling. No, no. <laughs> I don't have any. It's just like I watch. No. I watch Tori do like all her crafting and oh my stuff. Gosh, she's so good. I watch, but I'm like, I don't have any. I have all the stuff to do it, like up in my closet. And my daughter does a lot of it. Yeah, she loves. My daughter's crafting. very creative. Yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> she makes me. Unless she te- makes me teach her how to sew. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back next week. Bye.